My name is Finn Foster, and welcome to the Digging In Podcast Simply Deep series. On this podcast, we dig into scripture to find out the immense depth of some of the Bible's most well-known stories. Hi, everyone. What is up? This is Finn Foster, and I have none other than Chanel Renee Foster. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> My wife, Chanel, is here, and so is our beloved dog, Blue. She's uh, below our feet right now, and she will not be hooked up to a microphone because uh, nobody needs that. I think her eyes are closed anyways. <laughs> she's just used to us talking and then falling asleep. No, she's eating her foot. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's up, guys? Welcome to the first official episode of the Digging In Podcast Simply Deep series. We are so excited to actually uh, kind of get this thing underway. There's been a huge vision and a huge kind of uh, deciding route, I guess you could say, for, for why we're doing this and, and what, honestly, what we're doing in this podcast. Um, and I was going to shock Chanel by saying, and so Chanel, tell us about that. But um, really, she just wanted to join in on the adventure. Um, and I'm kind of the only one who really came up with the idea only because um, I talked to myself too much. So um, my idea is that we work through the deepest uh, meanings for the most simple stories. That's why it's called the Simply Deep podcast. Um, the, the stories that you guys are all familiar with, or for those of you who at least have some sort of Christian background at all, have probably heard at least once or twice, just to discover that there is way, 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 way more depth than the original or first few times you heard those stories. So that's really the goal. And I think it's important too to look look back starting in Genesis and then compare that to the New Testament all the way through on the overall redemptive plan that God had. And I think that that was something that you and I discussed um, while talking to a lot of younger kids and even just like peers that I think we easily forget that there is this plan that God started from Genesis 1, 1, and it's played all the way out through Revelation. So I'm excited to dive in and talk more about it. That's really good. Actually, it's a really good, really good point that I should make first. Um, Chanel just nailed it because uh, this might look a little confusing in your title because it says... um, Simply Deep series or something like that, or Simply Deep Creation, I think is what we're going to call it. And then it says part one. But really today, we're actually going to complete our first part, and then we're going to move into the second part. And so every single episode is going to have two parts. And what that means is there's going to be an Old Testament and New Testament version of each of these, because we're trying to look at the fact that this is the greatest story ever told And there's so much interconnected nature of it that we want to highlight as much as possible. So that the story of the creation of the world that we're going to read here today in Genesis 1 and 2 does not exist only right here. In fact, it echoes all the way through scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to look at one of those major highlight moments in our next episode. But I'm already getting a little bit ahead of myself here. I think we should jump into Genesis. Yeah, and I just just want to shout out all the... um Sunday school kids, whoop whoop, Finn is not a Sunday school kid because he didn't grow up in the church. But a lot of the stories that we're going to go over, specifically in the Old Testament, are stories that we have covered. I say we as a collaborative group of Sunday school kids, but a lot of stories that we've covered, um, but we really don't know 
why ultimately like why does it matter uh that noah gets on an ark why does it matter that cain killed abel Mm. why does it matter that moses walks up on top of a mountain and meets Mm. with god um things that we've heard but we don't really hear the connection often at least when i was in sunday school so i think this will be a really cool opportunity for us to connect dots and uh, make sense of those stories that we've heard all throughout our childhood yeah nailed it Let's do this. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to read for us Genesis 1, 1 through 2. So a total of two verses. So bear with me here. Also, actually, since we're sitting here, um, let's do two things first. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bible (laughs) and a pen and paper, just in case you want to take some notes. Uh, And you know what? I'm actually going to pray for us too. uh, And then we'll, we'll actually get into this. So let me pray. God, thank you so much for bringing us together. God, thank you for the fact that we can use podcast equipment to make your name great, uh, to shout your name from every microphone into every speaker for whoever does listen to this. God, we thank you for your word, and we pray that as we read it today, you would illuminate yourself to us, help us see you more clearly, and ultimately help us fall deeper in love with you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2 says this in the English Standard Version. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Chanel, what does that mean? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I look at this text and I think that it means that God has always been, that God was always there. He didn't have to become because he always was. (laughs) And so this is the start of him uh, forming the earth and the heavens and ultimately the whole atmosphere and universe and everything that entails. Um, But yeah, I think it's important to recognize that, that God is a mighty being who doesn't have to start by saying, and then I, God, created me because he always has been. And that's a, that's a weird concept for us because our minds don't fully understand that. And we want to ask more questions and we want to try to make sense of that. But I think it's okay to just leave it and just look at the text and take it as it is and just know that God always has been. And, and from him always being, he can start creating. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, it's funny you say that because that's kind of the world we live in today. We have to have really clear beginning, middle and ends to everything. Like our brain just like, we live in a time where we want answers to everything. Mm -hmm. And so we have our phones and our laptops and our iPads so that we can really quickly Google anything. I mean, just like quite literally just today, uh, Linda, the church secretary asked me a question about what this one uh, little acronym means. And I, instead of thinking about it for a couple of seconds, I just went straight to Google and just looked it up immediately because why use my brain or why be okay with something if I can just answer it really quickly? So we live in a time where answers are the most important and when we can access that really quickly. So it is weird to really consider the fact that God always was, always is, and always will be because our brain doesn't have a category for that. We don't have an answer for that. And so it really bothers us. And and then we ask questions like, oh, well, it's just not okay. Like it's not okay that we're okay with what this says. This is an old book, you know? Um, but in reality, this, we're just supposed to be okay with it. In fact, thousands of generations of people before us have always been okay with this. And it really hasn't been until the last like almost 100 years or so that we've really started even questioning some of this stuff. Um, and a lot of people were totally okay with it. So 
I love yeah. it. Yeah, always was, is, and always will be. I think it, since we're on the note of that, if if scripture doesn't make sense, it's okay to find a different translation of Bible while you're trying to search through and dissect scripture. I think, obviously, churches and your parents and you yourself and the ministries you're involved in might have a preferred version of um, Bible translation that that you are prescribed to. However, if something doesn't make sense, it's okay to read um, other translations. The New Living Translation is one that we always go to when we're at summer camp or backpacking because we have people who are who are all across the board in their spiritual walk, and it's super important that we make sense of what's being read. So it's okay to say, hey, I don't get this, but what other translations out there are there? And, and mm-hmm. there's also, you want to be careful with that too because there are some translations that have completely morphed Scripture. Yeah. Um, but why don't you go ahead and grab the other Bible and compare it to what the one that you're, you're prescribed to actually says. Yeah, that's good. And, and you know what, since we're talking about translations, here comes Finn's nerd moment of the day. Um, I'm not going to talk about translations. You guys don't have to fast forward, I swear. Um, but I just want to call note to one thing in these verses in verse two, it says this it says the earth was without form and void. That phrase is a Hebrew like riddle poetry thing. And it means tohu vavohu and tohu vavohu is not chaos. Like we think, we think that like God or like, sorry, it is chaos. We think that God like maybe just snapped his fingers and then like a giant rock that he just chiseled away, turned into earth. Um, that may or may not be true. But this, what these words are saying is basically God took what was there and it was chaotic and without form. It had nothing about it that was order. And he created order. He brought into order what was once chaotic. And I think that's going to basically be the theme for the entire Bible. (laughs) God took what was without order and gave it order. God took something chaotic and made it his own and made it out of love. And so we're going to see that over and over. But here's what we're going to do next, uh, because what we're not going to do is spend a ridiculous amount of time on every little detail of these stories. We're going to hit the major ideas and then show how they then relate to something even cooler. So uh, what that does mean is that from verses three all the way to about 28-ish, actually basically three to 25 Those verses are the really famous verses that a lot of us are aware of from our Sunday school classes where they say, and God said, let there be light. And there was light and so on and so forth. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to blow through them real quick because that's not really the focus of what we're trying to get after today is, you know, the order or whether or not it actually happened in this exact way. Um, All I'm going to do is tell you what happened on what day so we can get down to the real meaty stuff near the end of chapter one. So with that, verses three through five, day one, God created light. Also, basically, God created night and day. In the next section, six through eight, what we see is that God separated the waters from above and below. So he gave us the sky and the sea. And then in nine through 10, he gives us the separation of land and sea. So out of the sea, there is land. It is on that land where his creatures um, will actually live at some point soon. The next section is day four. And this one's kind of weird. In fact, this section, (laughs) the main reason this section is really strange um, is because 
what actually is happening here is God is creating what's called the sky dome. <laughs> and uh, in a really non-nerdy way, uh, the earth isn't flat. <laughs> I know, I just womp, shattered, womp, womp. shattered so many people's beliefs. Uh, on this day, God creates the spherical orb-like you know, structure that is earth and gives it form because if you look around, all the other planets have similar shapes, but not the same shape. They have similar makeups, but not the same makeup. God was doing something very clearly obvious and evident here. So he made the sky dome. Uh, day five, um, also in day four is vegetation. I think there's like mm. the trees mm -hmm. and the shrubs and things like that is day four. Day five is the sky and sea creatures are created. And then day six is all the land creatures, which includes human beings. And so that walks us right up to the door of Genesis 1, 26. So if you've got your Bible, um, Shan, you want to read? You want me to read? Yeah, I can do it. Okay, Shan's going to read 1, 26 through the end of chapter 1. All right, we're going to start in 26. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Don't we read 27? Is that what you said? I was going to say all the way to the end of chapter 1. Actually, let's just stop. Let's, let's do it in pieces. Let's yeah, do pieces. Let's do pieces. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So 26. Um, this stuff about making man in his image. And he says, in our image and our likeness. Explain that real fast. Oh, well, <laughs> there's probably several gods Oh no. oh no. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no. No one listen. No. No one listen. Okay. I I think this is super simple, but also the simplicity of it belongs to a more complex nature. So with that being said, this is super consistent with the idea that there's one God. So this is who we're talking about, the God, the creator. Um but in three persons, that is also called the Trinity. Oh. <laughs> um, and we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when it says in our image, I think that um, it's talking about all three. It's not just talking about God, but it's talking about the Father, the Son, and the mm, Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, mm -hmm. God the Spirit. That's good. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah, the Trinity is super important here. Um, this is like the first mention of it. And it's not specifically mentioned. In fact, if you want to hear something really crazy, the Trinity isn't actually even mentioned in the Bible. What? I know. It's crazy. Oh that's just based on what we understand about who God is and the language that's used. And all these, these ancient uh, people talked about it a lot in their writings as well. So um, the reality is that right here in this moment, God is creating human beings, but he's doing what he hasn't done yet, which is he's saying, we're going to do it in our image. In fact, it says in 27, 127, it says this. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Mm -hmm. So God created male and female, and then he created them all in his image. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Oh man. Um, I think the, the immediate thought for all of us is like, so do we, do we look like God? Like, is this like <laughs> a physical, like we look like God? And the answer is maybe. <laughs> um, the reality is that what God was doing specifically in making us in his image is he was setting us apart, setting humanity apart from everything else he just created. Again, whether these 
whether these six days before or five days before um, are literal, like day one did this, day two, or there's time in between, we don't know. But what we do know is that when it came to humanity, God did something different. He created something different entirely that was totally set apart from the rest of creation that humanity was going to look different, act different, be different altogether than the rest of creation. And to be that way meant to be created in the only way that he knew would be different, which is in his image. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's super cool to note, we can look at the text and obviously see that there's nothing before uh, the creation of man that was made in the image of God. But it's also interesting when you take a second to fast forward and you see that there still has never been something Mm. created in the image of God. Um, and some would argue Jesus, which we'll get into uh, hey, no later spoilers. on. But <laughs> I think it's super cool to just be like, wow, when God created us humans, it was in the image of him. Mm. And he still has yet to create something else uh, to replace us or to uh, shadow us or whatever it might be. But yeah, I, I think that's super mind blowing. It's so simple. But yeah. And I think this is just a, some food for thought here for those of you listening. Um Considering this idea of being in the image of God and that all human beings are created in the image of God, that if there's a human being out there, they're created in the image of God. I want you to really consider just for a moment what it might look like if you viewed every human being Mm. in that way. Because I know this can get really hippy-dippy and this can sound all frou-frou and lovey-dovey. Um, and be this whole like, and that's why we're supposed to love everyone because everyone's wonderful. That's not it. That's not what I'm trying to say. Hashtag Durango. (laughs) Shout out Durango, Colorado. Um, No, what I'm trying to say is that if we treated everyone that they were holding the image of God, just by waking up in the morning, they were holding the very image of God with them at all times, we might just we might actually care about humanity in a, in a slightly different way. It's a, yeah. it's a hard concept without sounding hippy dippy, mm-hmm. but it's just food for thought. We're not going to go there today. It's just a, it's just the reality is that we were made, humanity was made different from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing in creation made the way that humanity is made. So what if we actually viewed each other as such equal in that manner, men and women equal in the manner of the way that they are created and then each other in the manner that we are created without taking away from God's imagery mm-hmm. by bringing someone down or making fun of someone or judging someone or whatever. Like it, that's, that's the reality of what it means to be in his image. And I think it's crazy. You're saying that because I think along with that, you, you mentioned viewing other people, but you, we, we oftentimes forget about ourselves mm. so often. Um, I mean, working with youth, Finn and I will constantly get kids that mention that, they have no value or purpose or uh, that something's wrong with them. And I just want to shake them and say, but you were made in the image of God and God doesn't make mm, mistakes. That's right. And so, yes, we're called to love others, but we're also called to love ourselves and to know that we have purpose and we have value simply because, and we'll talk about this in Genesis too, but because God created us after him, like mm. that's, that should blow our minds every single day. We think about that. And yeah. And it's so hard to not sound like a, like a weirdo and mm-hmm. to sound like, like one of those frou-frou people of today. Like it's so hard not to, but that that's just how God created us. Mm-hmm. Like I hate the phrase, love yourself, but at some level we're supposed to. Yeah. And, and as an overflow, you get to love people. That's right. Like love God first and love people. But if you don't love yourself on some level, if you think that you're a mistake or you're messed up or you're broken or whatever it might that, be. That reflects your, your view of what, who you exactly. think God is. Exactly. And ultimately yeah. like it, 
the the whole point of the cross then is washed. Ooh. Which spoilers. Come on, spoilers. girl. Jeez. I know. That's why I'm here. I love spoilers. <laughs> you know how I am. I'll just say this. Ephesians 2.10 is pretty clear that we are his workmanship, his masterpiece. Mm-hmm. God considers us his masterpiece. So yeah, there's no mistake there. You are exactly who you are for a very specific reason. It's God's reason to bring you into this earth. And uh, we got to cruise because we got, you know, we're trying to cut this thing. We don't, we don't need to make all this time wasted, you know? <laughs> so I'm just going to hit this next section real quick. Um, this next section in chapter one, basically from 28 to the end of chapter one, is God giving humanity purpose and a job in a role um, but they are supposed to fill a job and fill a role. They're not just here to just be here and do nothing, but they're supposed to work and have a job and a role, and that is to image God in very specific ways. And these are things that you should read about on your own. Uh, but we're going to step into, actually, I do want to say this one thing. Uh, verse 31, 131 says this, and God saw everything that he had made, everything. He looked at everything that he had made over the last six days, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. So ultimately, <laughs> after everything that was being made, it says, and God thought it was good. And God thought the light was good. He thought the day was good. Um, he thought the water was good. All these things that he created was good. But after he created mankind, he looked and it was very good. In fact, in verse 28, it even says that God blesses mankind. So Mankind has received a blessing from the God of the universe, and he calls them very good. So clearly, again, set apart. Mm -hmm. Humanity is set apart. And that is the whole point of this creation narrative is that everything that God has created, all of it is meant to reflect who he is, but specifically humanity is meant to reflect who God is on a daily basis. So with that, let's jump into uh, chapter two. Yeah, Genesis chapter two. Um, this is another creation account. And what I mean by that is it's the exact same creation account said differently. And to be super nerdy for 30 seconds, um, Hebrew poetry and Hebrew imagery and Hebrew parallelism are the phrases that are used to describe this section. What that means is that Genesis one is a beautiful poetic telling of God's creation of the world. And so is Genesis 2, but common time, or oftentimes, what's super, super common in Hebrew writings is that they pair two stories right next to each other. And they do that so that where one misses, the other one hits. Mm. So basically, Genesis 1 and 2 are meant to be read all at once. It's the same exact story told in two slightly different ways, making sure to fill in all the blanks and all the details uh, where you need. So Genesis 2 is not a different story. It's not a different order. It's the exact same stuff said slightly differently. And that's why we can get to such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful set of verses um, in chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. In fact, I think, um, Shan, I think you want to just hit on seven there. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, I'll just read seven. It says, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then man became a living creature. Whoa. 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 <laughs> that should blow your mind. Yeah. Just, uh, just to really humble us. Mm-hmm. He created us out of what? Dust. Dust. Dirt. Dirt. Out of after everything else he's already created, it's all there. He just picks up the dirt on the ground. Mm-hmm. 
and then breathes life into it. It says into the nostrils. His breath is the only reason that 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 dust can become anything other than dust. Yeah. And I I think growing up when I read this, I thought that there was some deeper meaning that dust wasn't actually dust and him breathing that dust to create this living creature wasn't actually that, but there's something, it's like a hidden message that I was missing, but it's as simple as that, that God literally took dust from the ground and then breathed his own breath into it and it became life and it became this man, this, this person that he wanted to have dominion over all things. Mm. So it, it isn't like this crazy, like <laughs> hidden message, but it's crazy yeah. in the sense of like, it's legit that this is what God did. Yeah. From dust. This is like, I keep talking about how one day when I run into a bunch of money, how I'm going to get this giant tattoo sleeve on my arm. And one of the things I really want is this, is this image, this like a hand with dust in it. And that dust then becomes a man only because of the breath coming from God. In fact, that word right there, or those, th- those words of God's breath, um, Paul later in the New Testament, Paul turns that into a phrase called God breathed. And it's only used a couple times. And Paul literally makes up that word. There is like, he, he just combined two words, making a compound word. And he <laughs> makes up a word to describe like our state. And specifically, he's talking about the scriptures, but he says that it's all God breathed, that Mm -hmm. he is the only one who gives the breath of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as we look through um, verses eight and nine, we see that there's a a place that God put and formed man, and it's in the Garden of Eden. Can you explain a little bit about Eden? Like what what was Eden in in the most simple, simple way? Okay. Here's the most simple way I can do it. Um, Eden is a temple. Mm. And what I mean by that is that it's a holy, holy place. In fact, what we're going to see here in, in just the next chapter is that this is where God was walking with his footsteps on the ground. He was here in this holy place, in this temple, because this was a holy place to him. So he could walk on that ground. Mm. So this Eden is a beautiful and picturesque place. And I want you to hold on to this view of um, Eden, just mm-hmm. as much as you can, because what's going to happen with this Eden is basically going to happen all throughout scripture. There's going to be moments where this comes up over and over and over and over again in little tiny, tiny, tiny ways until the very last chapter of the Bible when Eden gets brought up again. So Eden is a holy, holy temple where God was meant to be with his people that he had just created. Um, In fact, eight and nine um, is when he, he tells them, you know, they have a job to do or sorry. So that's, that's then 15. I think actually I'm jumping the gun here. Yeah. Getting excited. 17, whatever it is. I don't know when it is. (laughs) It's in the Bible. Um, (laughs) Somewhere it's coming. It's coming. uh, In, in this rest of the section here of, of 10 through 17, Uh, the author is actually laying out the description of what Eden looks like. And it's just beautiful water and and trees everywhere and and, and shrubs and all these creatures that God, they're all there. And it's just Mm. absolutely beautiful. And then we get right at the end of this section, um, actually in, in nine and then also in 17, we get the kind of kicker, um, that we're going to see in the next chapter of Genesis in Genesis chapter three, he says that in, uh, this is uh two nine, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then in verse 17, um, or in, verses, in verse 15 through 17, God gives them the command for what they're supposed to do. He says this, he says, the Lord God took the man and put him in that garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, so he's commanding, this is the first time God's speaking in this moment to humans. And what he says is this, he said, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but, but of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat for in that day, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Womp, womp, womp. We're going to get to that. We're not going to jump into that yet. Um, this, is, this is like crazy because if we go back to 10, they're in like this beautiful, like the word I think of is like majestic. Like think of the most pretty place you've ever been mm. and then multiply it by a million because it's without sin. It's without imperfection. Like it's, it literally is perfect. And God gives them one rule yeah. and that's it. It's just one rule <laughs> that they can't eat from this one tree, but they can have anything else. And they had all they needed. They had all the fruit they needed. They had all the veggies they needed. They had it. They had everything they needed. God gives them one rule. Don't you spoil the third chapter of this book? I, I'm not spoiling yet, <laughs> but it's crazy to think about. And, and another question I have for you, Finn, along that same note is, will we ever get to experience something like the Garden of Eden? Oh, yes. Answer is yes. But my goodness, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't go there. I'll be too nerdy. Go there. Go there with like a 15 second response. Yes. The goal is that one day we will experience Eden once again. I don't know when that day is. In fact, no one does. Jesus says we're not meant to know. But the hope is, and the, the absolute assurance is that, yes, one day we will stand in Eden with the God of the universe walking among us. Eden 2.0? Eden 2.0. The better Eden. The better Eden. That's right. With the better Adam. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah totally. Crazy, right? <laughs> hey, you're, All right, we're you're jumping. jumping. Ahead, guys, I'm a jumper. I love anytime we watch a movie. I'm a spoiler. I just do it. She does. And so we actually need to say one thing because I need to comment on the fact that you keep saying the word they. They had everything they wanted. They had everything they oh, needed. Yeah. And she hasn't even realized that in chapter two, seventeen. It's just the man. It's just the man. Standing in the garden. Just the man. But that's all right, because uh, in 18 through 25, what we get is the story of God, holy God, right? The, the holy God of the universe, absolutely cosmically knocking out the man. And I don't know if this was like a situation of a magic hand coming out and like smacking him in the head and knocking him out cold or what it was, but the man falls asleep and in his slumber, God takes the rib, takes a rib out of the man, and from that rib forms the woman. So we have man and woman together in the garden. And then it gives us this beautiful picture. This is, the, this is uh, verse 23. says, then the man said, this is, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Mm. And I so- there's some super important things in there. There's a lot, but we just, we can't do it. I know, we can do, okay, I'll let you do one thing. No, two things. Oh my goodness, all right. Okay. Other than, a, this is a biblical view of marriage. Done, next thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. I was just going to touch on the helper aspect. I think. Oh, that, beautiful. Yeah, go ahead. We, go ahead. We live in a culture where, where if you showed that to someone who is not a believer or follower of Christ, they would be like, whoa, 
like you're saying I'm supposed to be the helper to the male. Why, why am I the helper? Why is he not the helper? And I think that this is actually a very like beautiful term um, that as a wife that I like to hold on to because it entails so much that being the helper isn't just this, you're not a servant. Um, however, on some level you are submissive and I love that. Like I love that God gave me someone to be submissive to, but that is supposed to respect me as I love him. And that's mm. also fast forwarding as well. Um, <laughs> the Bible is full of so many wonderful golden tokens. Um, but I, I just think it's super important that we touch on the helper aspect because it says a helper fit for him. So God didn't misplace Eve, but he meant for Eve to be that very thing. Um, and we get to see what comes from that. Um, however, it was the start of a union of like a marriage mm. on some level. So that's point number one. That's good. But point number two, everyone. Can, can I say something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that word helper in the Hebrew, by the way, uh, we read it as helper in English and we assume this thing of like, okay, so man is, is above and woman is so far below and that she's just meant to help. And we read help as do what he says, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is just not at all what scripture is saying. Um, in fact, that that word in the Hebrew is really almost even closer to the word of equal. Yeah. It's, which is why his words, his very words are bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Like they are together in this whole thing. Like you said, it's a union. Mm -hmm. It's two people coming together and we like to view it as, Oh, so you're saying that this guy is so much far above and she's so much right. below because she's, he's a woman. And that's not at all what scripture is saying. No. That's something that we've created as a culture. And that's not what the Bible even says. No, not all. And that's why I said, like there's an, an attitude of like submissiveness, but that has just horrible connotation. Yeah. Cause does that mean that like I bow down to everything you do? Absolutely not. It's not but true. And it's never happened. It probably yeah, never will. Exactly. Cause if you know Chanel, it's not going to happen. <laughs> right. But I absolutely respect Finn. And I absolutely respect this role that the Lord has given me. And so I think that's mm. super important. Um, point two. Point two. And it says, very last verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And the first time I heard that, I was like, ew, why are they not in clothes? <laughs> Where right? are their clothes? Young, young Chanel. However, this is super important. And without giving away any spoilers, it's been <laughs> Good luck. looked at me <laughs> in Genesis 3. This is super important because... They were perfect in the way that they were. They didn't need clothes. They didn't need to cover up because they hadn't yet been exposed to sin. And then once they were exposed to sin, they now felt shameful about their nakedness. Finn's, <laughs> Finn's glaring at me because he, he thinks I swallowed it. But it's fine. Um, it's a good point. It and, is, and, it's but crucial. I think it's important because it's saying that it was fine. Everything was perfect. Just as the way God Just had intended. Just as the way it was. Yeah. This is that temple, that Eden temple. Mm -hmm. God had designed it in this way. And I want to jump to one last thing because here's our last point of today. And then we are, we're out of here on creation and we're, we're leading you towards the second episode of this simply creation, simply deep creation episode. And Chanel's just going to read something that she wrote. Um, she got it from a super smart dude, David Guzek of enduring word, um, dot com and yep. word commentary. Check it out. Um, and this is actually a really, really beautiful thing here because what I want us to be reminded of is that God in creation was not simply creating the world just for the heck of it and then creating humanity just for the heck of it. There is a huge plan in mind. There is a massive redemptive goal in mind that God is setting forth the greatest story ever told. Mm -hmm. And I'll just spoil it all for you real fast. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm doing exactly no, what I don't like. You know? And the story goes like this. God created a people, that people 
tried to be God. In fact, they tried so hard and failed so hard that they actually ended up resenting and rebelling against God. But God being rich in love and rich in mercy and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love continued to care for that people. Even though they were his enemies, he cared for them. And he was going to do everything in his power to bring them back to him. Even though he was holy and they were not, he was going to solve the problem in a ridiculous way. And now we all know the story and we all know the answer to that. But Chanel, why don't you go ahead and read for us what it really means when he said that he made for us, he made us in his image. What is that actually looking forward to? Yeah. So this is uh, what I got from the enduring word, which I love the enduring Mm -hmm. word. And it says this, this means the incarnation was truly possible. God in the second person of the Trinity could really become man because although deity and humanity are not the same, they are compatible. Mm. Cool. Yeah. That is, that is nerdy. That is nerdy. I mean, it's, he, he's, what he's literally saying is that the incarnation, that is God becoming flesh in the form of Jesus became possible because he chose to create humanity in his image. Mm-hmm. Had he chosen an animal, it wouldn't have worked. He chose yeah. humanity to be the exact people from whom salvation would be given. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to just recognizing that God's more than just making you in his image. Like that we don't say that like lightly, like he has some greater overall purpose that he's doing. And again, this is the whole redemptive plan from the very beginning from Genesis one, we already see it unfolding in front of us um, that God would use this small term that we look at. It's not even small of creating us in his own image. And we throw that around a lot um, so that one day he himself could go down to earth in human form. So mind blowing. Oh man, I'm so excited guys. That's the end of our little creation talk today. So that is the more or less. That's our first, our first story. Our first Simply Deep episode is about the story of creation in Genesis 1 and 2, something that you've probably heard for years, but now have a little bit more depth as you think about it from here on out. But guess what? The story is not over yet. In fact, in our next episode, we'd love it if you would join us as we talk about where on earth does this story go in the New Testament? Specifically, how is Jesus God incarnate, God the Son on earth, how does he equal the same story in the book of John? We'll see you next time. See ya.